Section 2 of The Pastor's Wife This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 2 He gazed very benevolently at the little figure on the edge of the view. Why not marry her now, and frugally convert the tail-end of dense excursion into a honeymoon? With the large simplicity and obliviousness to bans and licenses of a man of scientific preoccupations he saw no reason against this course it was obvious it was desirable it would not only save her going back to england first it would save the extra journey there for him they would go straight home to east prussia together at the end of the week and as for doing it without her family's knowledge if she could run away from them as she had told him she had done just for the sake of a jaunt how much more readily with what increase of swiftness indeed would she run for the sake of a husband tell me little one he said when she rejoined him will you marry me chapter four ingeborg was astonished she stared at him speechless the gulf between even the warmest friendliness and marriage she had she knew been daily increasing in warm friendliness towards him characteristically expecting nothing back that he too should grow warm had not remotely occurred to her nobody had ever grown warm to her in that way there had always been judith that miracle of beauty to blot her into plainness it is true the senior curate of the redchester parish church had said to her once in his exhausted oxford voice you know i don't mind about faces will you marry me and she had refused so gingerly with such a fear of hurting his feelings is that for a week he had supposed he was engaged but one would not call that warmth. As the sun puts out the light of a candle, so did the radiance of Judith extinguish Ingeborg. They were so oddly alike, and Ingeborg was the pale, diminished shadow. Judith was Ingeborg, grown tall, grown exquisite. Ingeborg wrought wonderfully in ivory and gold. No man could possibly fall in love with Ingeborg, while there before his very eyes was apparently exactly the same girl, only translated into loveliness. From the first it had been the most natural thing in the world to Ingeborg to be plain and passed over. Judith was always beside her. Whenever there was a pause in her work for her father, it was filled by the chaperoning of Judith. She accepted the situation with complete philosophy, for nothing was quite so evident as Judith's beauty. And she used, in corners at parties, to keep herself awake by a saying over bits of the Psalms, on which, not being allowed to read novels, her literary enthusiasms were concentrated. It was then really a very astonishing thing to a person practised in this healthy and useful humility to have someone asking her to marry him. That it should be Herr Dremmel seemed to her even more astonishing. He didn't look like somebody one married. He didn't even look like somebody who wanted to marry one. He sat there, his hands folded on the knob of his stick, gazing at her with an entirely placid benevolence, and asked her the surprising question as though it were a way of making conversation. It is true he had not called her little one before, but that she felt as she stood before him, considering this thing that had happened to her, was pretty rather than impassioned. Here was an awkward and odd result of her holiday enterprise. It's very unexpected, she said lamely. Yes, he agreed, it is unexpected. 
it has greatly surprised me i am very sorry she said about what are you sorry little one i can't accept your your offer what there is someone else not that sort of someone but there's my father he made a great sweep with his arm fathers he said and pushed the whole breed out of sight he's very important important little one when will you marry me i can't leave him he became patient it has been laid down that a woman shall leave father and mother and any other related obstacle she may have the misfortune to be hampered with and cleave only to her husband that was about a man cleaving to his wife there wasn't anything said about a woman besides she stopped she couldn't tell him that she didn't want to cleave he gazed at her a moment in silence he had not contemplated a necessity for persuasion this he then said with severity is prevarication she sat down on the grass and clasped her hands round her knees and looked up at him she had taken off her hat when first she got to the top to fan herself and had not put it on again as she sat there with her back to the glow of the sky the wind softly lifted the rings of her hair and the sun shone through them wonderfully they seemed to flicker gently to and fro little tongues of fire why said herr dremmel suddenly leaning forward and staring you are like a spirit this pleased her for a moment her eyes danced like a spirit he repeated and here i am talking heavily to you as though you were an ordinary woman little one how does one trap a spirit into marrying tell me for very earnestly do i desire to be shown the way one doesn't said ingeborg ah do not be difficult you have been so easy of such a comfortable response in all things up to now but this began ingeborg yes this i well know he was more stirred than he had thought possible he was becoming almost eager but asked ingeborg exploring this new interesting situation why do you want to want to marry you yes because said herr dremmel immensely prompt i have had the extreme good fortune to fall in love with you again she looked pleased and i do not ask you he went on to love me or whether you do love me it would be presumption on my part and not if you did very modest on yours that is the difference between a man and a woman he loves before marriage and she does not love till after oh said ingeborg interested and what does he the woman continued herr dremmel feels affection and esteem before marriage and the man feels affection and esteem after oh said ingeborg reflecting she began to tear up tufts of grass it seems chilly she said chilly he echoed he let his stick drop and got up and came and sat down or rather let himself down carefully on the grass beside her chilly do you not know that a decent chill is a great preservative hot things decay frozen things do not live a just measure of chill preserves the life of the affections it is by a very proper dispensation of nature provided before marriage by the woman and afterwards by the man the balance is in this way nicely held and peace and harmony which nourish best at a low temperature prevail she looked at him and laughed there was no one in redchester and redchester was all she knew of life in the least like herr dremmel she stretched herself in the roomy difference happy free at her ease but i cannot believe burst out herr dremmel with a passionate vigour 
that astonished him more than anything in his whole life as he seized the hand that kept on tearing up grass i cannot believe that you will not marry me i cannot believe that you will refuse a good and loving husband that you will prefer to remain with your father and solidify into yet one more frost-bitten virgin into a what repeated ingeborg struck by this image of herself in the future she began to laugh then stopped she stared at him her grey eyes very wide open she forgot herr dremmel and that he was still clutching her hand and all the grass in it while her mind flashed over the years that had gone and the years that were to come they would be alike they had not been able to frostbite her yet because she had been too young but they would get her presently their daily repeated busy emptiness their rush of barren duties their meagre moments of what when she was younger used to be happiness but had lately only been relief those rare moments when her father praised her would settle down presently and freeze her dead her face grew solemn it's true she said slowly i shall be a frost-bitten virgin i'm doomed my father won't ever let me marry you infinitely childish one he cried becoming angry when it is well known that all fathers wish to get rid of all daughters you don't understand it's different my father why she broke out i used to dose myself secretly with cod liver oil so as to keep up to his level he's wonderful when he praised me i usen't to sleep and if he scolded me it seemed to send me lame herr dremmel sawed her hand up and down in his irritation what is this irrelevant talk he said i offer you marriage and you respond with information about cod liver oil i do not believe the father obstacle i do not recognize my honest little friend of these last days it is waste of time not being open would you then if it were not for your father marry me but ingeborg flashed round at him swept off her feet as she so often was by an impulse of utter truth it's because of him that i would and the instant she had said it she was shocked she stared at herr dremmel wide-eyed with contrition the disloyalty of it the ugliness of telling a stranger and a stranger with hair like fur anything at all about those closely related persons she had been taught to describe to herself as her dear ones oh she cried dragging her hand away let my hand go let my hand go she tried to get on to her feet but with an energy he did not know he possessed he pulled her down again he did not recognize any of the things he was feeling and doing the dremel of his real nature of those calm depths where lay happy fields of future fertilizers gazed at this inflamed conduct going on at the top in astonishment no he said with immense determination you will sit here and explain about your father it's a dreadful thing replied ingeborg suddenly discovering that of all things she did not like being clutched and looking straight into his eyes her head a little thrown back that one can't leave one's home even for a week without getting into a scrape a scrape you call it a scrape when a good man hears a person who goes away for a little change privately and before she knows where she is she's being held down on the top of the rigi and ordered by a strange man by her future husband cried herr dremmel who was finding the making of offers more difficult than he had supposed by a strange man to explain her father as though anybody could ever explain their father as though anybody could ever explain anything god in heaven cried herr dremmel do not explain him then just marry me 
and at this moment the snake-like procession of the rest of dent's tour headed by mr ascough watch in hand emerged from the hotel where it had been having tea on to the plateau wiping its mouths in readiness for the sunset with the jerk of a thing that has been stung it swerved aside as it was about almost to tread on the two on the grass ingeborg sat very stiff and straight and pretended to be staring intently at the view forgetting that it was behind her she flushed when she found there was no time to move far enough from herr dremmel for a gap to be visible between them look at those two now whispered the young lady last in the procession to the young man brushing bread and butter out of his tie who walked beside her he looked and seemed inclined to linger she's very pretty isn't she he said oh do you think so said his companion i never think anybody's pretty who isn't you know what i mean really nice you know ladylike and she hurried him on because she said if he didn't hurry he'd miss the sunset chapter five ingeborg spent most of the night on a hard chair at her bedroom window earnestly endeavouring to think it was very unfortunate but she found an immense difficulty at all times in thinking she could keep her father's affairs in the neatest order but not her own thoughts there were so many of them and they all seemed to jump about inside her and want to get thought first they would not go into ordered rows they had no patience often she had suspected they were not thoughts at all but just feelings and that depressed her for it made her drop she feared to the level of the insect world and enter the category of things that were not going to be able to get to heaven and to a bishop's daughter this was disquieting most of her thoughts she was immediately sorry for they were so unlike anything she could with propriety say out loud at home to herr dremmel she had been able to say them all as far as speech a limping vehicle could be made to go and this was another of his refreshing qualities she did not of course know of that absorbed man's habit of listening to her with only one ear a benevolent ear but only one while with the other turned inwards he listened to the working out in his mind of problems in chilisalpetra and superphosphates she sat staring out of the window at the stars and chimney-pots her hands held tightly in her lap and told herself that the moment had come for clear consecutive thought consecutive thought she repeated severely aware already of the interlaced dancing going on in her brain what was she going to do about herr dremmel about going home about oh about anything they had come down the rigi soberly and in the train nobody as usual spoke to them and for the first time in their friendship neither had they spoken to each other they had had a speechless dinner he had looked preoccupied and when directly after she had said good-night he had drawn her out into the passage and solemnly adjured her while the hall potter pretended he was out of earshot to have done with prevarications what he would suggest he said was a comfortable betrothal next day it was too late for one that night he said pulling out his watch but next day and as she retreated sideways step by step up the stairs silent through an inability immediately to find an answer that seemed tactful enough he had eyed her very severely and inquired of her with a raised voice what then the ado was all about she had turned at that giving up the search for tact and had run up the remaining stairs rather breathlessly feeling that herr dremmel on marriage 
had an engulfing quality and he after a moment's perplexity on the mat at the bottom had gone to the reading-room a baffled man now she sat at the window considering her journey home was only two days off and the thought of what would be said to her when she got there and of what her answers would be like ran down the back of her neck and spine as though someone were drawing a light ice-cold finger over the shrinking skin she had been persuading herself that her little holiday was harmless and natural and now this business with herr dremmel would she felt do away with all that and justify a wrath in her father that she might else for her private solace and encouragement have looked upon as unreasonable it is a peculiarity of parents reflected ingeborg that they are always being justified however small and innocent what you are doing may be if they disapprove something turns up to cause them to have been altogether right she remembered little things small occasions of her younger days this was a big occasion and what had turned up on it was herr dremmel it was a pity oh it was a pity she hadn't considered before she left london so impulsively whether when she got back to redchester she was going to be untruthful or not she had considered nothing except the acuteness of the joy of running away now she was faced by the really awful question of lying or not lying it was ugly to lie at all it was dreadful to lie to one's father but to lie to a bishop raised the operation from just a private sin which god would deal with kindly on being asked to a crime you were punished for if it was a cathedral you did it to a real crime the crime of sacrilege impossible to profane a sacred and consecrated object like a bishop doubly and trebly impossible if you were that object's own daughter her tightly folded hands went cold as she realized she was undoubtedly going to be truthful she was every bit as valiant as her swedish grandmother had been that grandmother who was aware of the dangers of the things she did with her mountains and her gusty lakes and defied them but her grandmother knew no fear and ingeborg knew it very well hers was the real courage found only in the entirely terrified who terrified yet see the thing whatever it is doggedly through she was faint yet pursuing she saw much terror in her immediate future she dreaded having to be courageous she felt she was too small really for the bravely truthful answering of her magnificent father's questions he would have the catechism and the confirmation service on his side as well as the laws of right behavior and filial love it didn't seem fair one couldn't argue with a parent one couldn't answer back while as for a bishop one couldn't do anything at all with him except hastily agree there was just a possibility but how remote that her father would be too busy to ask questions she sighed as she reflected how little she could count on that and how the most superficial inquiry about her aunt or the dentist would bring out the whole story and here was herr dremmel who thought nothing at all of him even in regard to an enormous undertaking like his daughter's marriage there was something sublime in such detachment she felt the largeness of the freedom of it blowing in her face like a brisk invigorating wind there seemed to be no hedges round herr dremmel he was as untied up a person as she had ever met he cared nothing for other people's opinion that chief enslavement of her home and he was an orphan sad to be an orphan thought ingeborg sighing sad of course not to have any dear ones but it did seem to be a condition that avoided the dilemma whose horns 
were concealment by means of untruths and the screwing up of oneself to that clamily cold and forlorn condition having courage of course herr dremmel didn't know her father he hadn't faced that impressive personality would he be quite so detached and easily indifferent if he had she thought with a shiver of what such a meeting supposing just for the sake of supposing that she allowed herself to become engaged would be like would herr dremmel in that setting of carefully subdued splendour of wainscoting and aureoles seemed to her as free and delightful as he seemed on a tour of frugal backgrounds would she in the presence of the bishop's horrified disapproval be able to see him as she had been seeing him now she had not explored very far into her own resources yet but she had begun lately to perceive that she was pliable she bent easily she felt and deplored having to feel in the direction desired by the persons she was with and who laid hold of her with authority it is true she sprang back again as she had discovered so surprisingly in london the instant the hold was relaxed but it seemed that she sprang only to do as she now with a headshake admitted difficulty bringing things and her training in acquiescence and distrust of herself was very complete and back in her home would she not at once bend into the old curve again was it possible would it ever be possible in her father's presence to disassociate herself from his points of view what his view of herr drummle would be she very exactly knew did she want to disassociate herself from it she pushed back her chair and began to walk quickly up and down the narrow little room if she didn't disassociate herself it meant marriage and marriage in stark defiance of the whole of her world redchester would be appalled the diocese would grieve for its bishop the county would discuss her antagonistically at a hundred tea-tables well and while they were doing it where would she be her blood began suddenly to dance she was seized as she had been in london by that overwhelming desire to shake off old things and set her face towards the utterly new while all these people were nodding and whispering in their stuffy stale world she would be safe in east prussia a place that seemed infinitely remote a place herr dremmel had described to her as full of forests and water and immense stretches of waving rye the lakes were fringed with rushes the forests came down to their edges his own garden ended in a little path through a lilac hedge that took you down between the rye to the rushes and the water and the first great pines oh she knew it as though she had seen it she had lured him on so often to describing it to her he thought nothing of it talked indeed of it with disgust as a god-forsaken place well it was these god-forsaken places that her body and spirit cried out for space freedom quiet the wind ruffling the rye the water splashing softly against the side of the punt there was a punt she had extracted the larks singing up in the sunlight the shining clouds passing slowly across the blue she wanted to be alone with these things after the years of deafening hurry at redchester with a longing that was like homesickness she remembered somehow that once she used to be with them long ago far away and there used to be little things when you lay faced downwards on the grass little lovely things that smelt beautiful wild strawberry leaves and a tiny aromatic plant with a white flower like a star that you rubbed between your fingers 
she stood still a moment frowning trying to remember more it wasn't in england but even as she puzzled the vision slipped away from her and was lost she wanted to read and walk and think she was hungry to read at last what she chose and walk at last where she chose and think at last exactly what she chose was the christian year enough for one in the way of poetry and all those mild novels her mother read sandwiched between the biographies of more bishops and little books of comfort with crosses on them that asked rude questions as to whether you had been greedy or dainty or had used words with a double meaning during the day were they enough for a soul that had quite alone with no father giving directions presently to face its god her family held strongly that for daughters to read in the daytime was to be idle well if it was thought ingeborg lifting her head that head that drooped so apologetically at home with a defiance that distance encourages then being idle was a blessed thing and the sooner one got away to where one could be it uninterruptedly the better in that parsonage away in east prussia for instance one would be able to read and read herr dremmel had explained a hundred times about his laboratory and he himself locked into it and only asking to be left locked surely that was an admirable quality in a husband that he kept himself locked up and the parsonage was on the edge of the village and the little garden at the back had nothing between it and the sunset and all god's other dear arrangements except a solitary and long unused windmill it was about one o'clock in the morning that her courage however altogether ebbed at the prospect of going home what would it be like taking up her filialities again and all of them henceforth so terribly tarnished she would be a returning prodigal for whom no calf was killed but who instead of the succulences of a more liberal age would be offered an awful opportunity of explaining her conduct to a father who would interrupt her the instant she began and do the explaining himself how was she going to face it all alone if only she could have been in love with herr dremmel with what courage she would have faced her family then if she had been in love with him and come to them her hand in his if only he looked more like the lovers you see in pictures like the one in leighton's wedded for instance a very beautiful picture ingeborg thought but not like any of the wedded in redchester so that if she couldn't be in love she could at least persuade herself she was if only he had proper hair instead of just beaver she liked him so much she had even at particular moments of his conversation gone so far as to delight in him but marriage what was marriage why did they never talk about it at home in the bishop's palace it might for all the mentioning it got be one of the seven deadly sins you talked there of the married and sometimes but with reserve of getting married but marriage itself and what it was and meant was never discussed she had received the impression owing to these silences that though it was god's ordinance as her father in his official capacity at weddings reiterated it was a reluctant ordinance established apparently because there seemed no other way of getting round what appeared to be a difficulty what was the difficulty she had never in her busy life thought about it marriage had not concerned her it would not be nice she had felt unconsciously adopting the opinion of her environment for a girl who was not going to marry to get thinking of it 
and it really had not interested her. She had quite naturally turned her eyes away. But now this question of facing her father, this need of being backed up, this longing to get away from things, forced her to look. Besides, she would have to give Herr Dremmel some sort of answer in the morning, and the facing of Herr Dremmel required courage too, of a different kind, but certainly courage. She was so reluctant to hurt or disappoint. It had seemed all her life the most beautiful of pleasures to give people what they wanted, to get them to smile, to see them look content. But suppose Herr Dremmel, before he could be got to smile and look content, wanted to clutch her again as he had clutched her on the top of the riggy. She had very profoundly disliked it. She had been able to resent it there and get loose. But if she were married and he clutched, could she still resent? She greatly feared not. She greatly suspected. Now she came to a calm consideration of it that that was what was the matter with marriage. It was a series of clutchings. Her father had no doubt realized this, as she was realizing it now, and very properly didn't like it. You couldn't expect him to. That was why he wouldn't talk about it. In this she was entirely at one with him. But perhaps Herr Dremmel didn't like it either. Wasn't she rather jumping at conclusions in imagining that he did? Hadn't he, after all, clutched rather in anger up there than in anything else? And what about his earnest wish, so often explained, to be left all day locked up in his laboratory? And what about his praise that very afternoon of chill in human relationships? At that moment her eye was arrested by something white appearing slowly and with difficulty beneath her door. She sat up very straight and stared at it, watching its efforts to get over and past the edge of her mat. For an instant she wondered whether it were not a kind of insect ghost. Then she saw, as more of it appeared, that it was a letter. She held her breath while it struggled in. Nobody had ever pushed a letter under her door before. She grew happy instantly. What fun! Her heart beat quite fast with excitement while she waited to hear footsteps going away before getting up to fetch it. Herr Dremmel, however, must have been in his goloshes, objects from which he was seldom separated, for she heard nothing and after a few seconds of breathless listening she got up with immense caution and went on tiptoe to the letter and picked it up. Why, she thought, pausing for a moment with a sort of solemnity before opening it, I suppose this is my first love letter. There was nothing on the envelope and no signature, and this was what it said. Little one, I wish to tell you that before going to my room tonight I instructed the hall porter to order a betrothal cake, properly iced and with what is customary in the matter of silver leaves, to be in the small salon adjoining the smoking-room tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Since no man can be betrothed alone, it will be necessary that you should be there. CHAPTER Six. It was a perturbed betrothal. There were so many people at it. Seven ladies besides Ingeborg appeared in the small salon adjoining the smoking-room next morning at nine o'clock. What Herr Dremmel had done, being ignorant which was Ingeborg's room, and after laborious thought deciding that to demand her number of the hall porter, later than dusk might very conceivably cast a slur on her reputation young ladies being as he well knew of all living creatures the most easily slurred was to write as many copies of the letter 
as there were doors on her landing and thrust them industriously one by one beneath each door strong in the knowledge that she would in this manner inevitably get one of them he was greatly pleased with this plan it seemed of a beautiful simplicity and effectiveness being unaware of the context he reasoned no lady except the right one will be able to guess what the letter can possibly refer to she will therefore throw it aside as an obvious mistake and think no more about it but the ladies did think and none of the inhabitants of the third floor except mr ascough who never thought anything about anything having discovered that if once you begin to think there is no end to it and a dried and brittle little man lately pensioned off by the firm he had been clerk to and taking his first trip on the continent in a condition of profound uninterestedness threw it aside these two did but the seven ladies not only did not throw it aside they read it many times and instead of thinking no more about it thought of nothing else even mrs bawn who had been a widow for six months and was heartily tired of it was pleased she liked particularly being addressed as little one there was a blindness about this that suggested genuine feeling she had not been so much pleased since her little bawn now half a year in glory had told her one day before their marriage that he did not care what anybody said he maintained that she was handsome they all thought the letter very virile and that nothing could be more gentlemanly than its restraint four of them expected a different male member of the party to be waiting in the small salon the remaining three expected mr ascough mr ascough had a caressing way with pats of butter and the closing of the doors of filled flies that had before now led him on these tours into misapprehensions he was long since married but had omitted to mention it the ladies therefore when they arrived in the small salon at nine o'clock did not find mr ascough nor any of the other four friends they expected they found surprisingly each other and standing thick and black near a decorated table at the window and scowling in a fresh astonishment every time the door opened and another lady came in that very undesirable fellow-tourist the german gentleman each one immediately knew it was ingeborg who had been written to and that the letter had gone astray each one also thought she knew that ingeborg had not got the letter and would not come but each one except mrs bawn was helped to cover up her shock by being sure the others did not know of it and the custom of life lying heavy on them they were able after one little start on first seeing herr dremmel to drift into the corners of the room and pretend that what they had come for was books except mrs bawn mrs bawn saw stared turned on her heel and went out again volcanically and the corridor shook to her departing footsteps and to the angry unintentional rhymes she was making aloud with words like hoax and jokes with astonishment and disgust herr dremmel saw the seven ladies accumulate it was most unfortunate that on that morning of all mornings the small salon so invariably empty should be visited his inexperienced mind did not connect their appearance with his letters it never occurred to him that his reasoning as to what they would do on receiving them could possibly be wrong nor did he as he watched the door open and shut seven times and seven times admit the wrong woman guess that their presence if 
Ingeborg came would immensely help his betrothal. The ladies, fingering dusty tauchnitzes and magazines, and eyeing the table in the window with heads as much averted as could be combined with the seeing of it, gradually found the shock they had had being soothed by the interest they felt in what Herr Dremmel would do when he realized that that unladylike Miss Bullivant, all unaware of what was waiting for her, was not coming. Now that they were there, they might as well stay and see the end of it. It was really very interesting in its way, so German, so unlike, thank goodness, what English people ever did. Would he stand there all day, they wondered, with that really most improperly suggestive cake, so very like a christening cake? One or two of them sat down squarely on the sofas behind months-old magazines, round whose edges they peeped, making it clear to the unhappy man that they, at least, intended to stay there. And they all coughed a little every now and then, in the way a waiting congregation coughs in church. Then the door was pushed open with the jerk of somebody who is either in a hurry or has come to a sudden determination. And who should appear but Miss Bullivant? A thrill ran through the seven ladies, and they instantly became, behind their magazines, stiff with excitement. Chance! What a chance! She had chanced to look in. It was like a play, dear me, thought each of the seven. And Ingeborg, who believed as lately as the last moment on the doormat outside that she had only come in order to tell Herr Dremmel she was not coming, when she saw the cake, very white and bridal, on a white cloth with white flowers in pots round it, and on either side of it a bottle with a white ribbon round its neck, and on the other, for the sake of symmetry, two glasses, was staggered. How could she, who so much loved to please, to make happy, cruelly hurt him, spoil his little feast, wipe out the glow, the immense relief that beamed from his face when he saw her? She turned round quickly, realizing the presence of the seven ladies. Amazed, she stared at them, mechanically counting them. How could she make him ridiculous, humiliate him, before all those women? Hesitating, torn, poised on the tip of flight, she stood there. Her hand was on the door to open it again and run, but Herr Dremmel's simplicity came to his help more effectually than the cunningest plans. He forgot the ladies, and, stepping forward, took her hand in his, and quite simply kissed her forehead, sealing her then and there, with the perfect frankness of his countrymen when engaged in legitimate courtship as his betrothed. He then slipped a ring he wore on his little finger onto her thumb, that being the only bit of her hand he could find that it would stay on, and he being free from prejudices in the matter of fingers, and the thing, at least so he supposed, was done. Ingeborg, in her bewilderment, let these things happen to her. Her thoughts, as she stood being betrothed, were jerking themselves into a perfect tangle of knots. She was astonished at the tricks life stoops to. A cake and the eyes of seven women. Her whole future being decided by a cake and the eyes of seven women. Oh, no, it couldn't be. It was only that she couldn't stop now. Impossible, utterly, to stop now. She had never dreamt she wouldn't find him alone. These women were all witnesses. He had kissed her before them all. His methods were really overwhelming. Suppose her father could see her. But the kiss had been administered very ceremoniously. It had been quite cooling, such as one as even a bishop 
might feel justified in applying to the brow of a sick person or a young child later at a more convenient time when the pathetic cake was out of sight when these women were out of earshot she would tell him she hadn't meant amazingly she found herself advancing towards the cake with herr dremmel and standing in front of it with him hand in hand oh the mischief people got into who came up to london to dentists she now saw what provincial dentists were for they kept you in pain and pain kept you out of mischief for the first time she understood what her spirit had till then refused to accept the teaching so popular with the bishop that pain was a necessary part of the scheme of things of course you were safe so long as you were in pain in that condition the very nearest you could get to the most seductive temptation was to glance at it palely with a sick distaste and you stayed at home and were grateful for kindnesses it was only when you hadn't anything the matter with you that you ran away from your family and went to lucerne and took up with a strange man positively to the extent of letting him promise to marry you somebody coughed so close behind her that it made her jump she turned round nervously herr dremmel still holding her hand and beheld the seven ladies flocked about her for all the world like seven bridesmaids they had hastily consulted together in whispers while she was being led away to the cake as to whether they ought not to congratulate her their hearts were touched by the respectful ceremony with which herr dremmel had conducted his betrothal it had had the solemn finality of a marriage and what woman can look on at a marriage unmoved they had agreed in whispers that this was one of those moments in which one lets bygones be bygones the two at the altar they meant at the cake had no doubt said many terrible and vulgar tillings and had behaved in a way no lady and gentleman would the girl for instance openly admitting she had run away from home but what they were doing now at least was beyond reproach and by uniting two blacks were after all in spite of what people said about it not being possible going to make one white at any rate it was charitable to hope so so they cleared their throats and wished her joy thank you said ingeborg a little faintly looking from one to the other it's so kind of you but then they shook hands with herr dremmel and said they were sure they wished him joy too and he thanked them with propriety and bows such a thing has never happened on a dance tour before oh no never before at all i'm sure said the most elderly lady nervously with a number of nods there isn't time enough that's what i sometimes think said the young lady who had hurried her companion away to the sunset the evening before what's a week and she stared at the cake and frowned dents had a funeral once said a square small lady who kept her hands plunged in the pockets of a grey jersey now miss jukes really protested the elderly lady one doesn't mention well it wasn't their fault miss andrews they didn't want to have it i'm sure it was a gentleman from gypsy hill what a beautiful um cake hastily interrupted the elderly lady funny thing i sometimes think continued miss jukes to go for a holiday and die instead those silver leaves said the elderly lady raising her voice i call them dainty it's like a wedding cake isn't it said the young lady of the sunset peering close at it with a face of gloom will you not ingeborg said herr dremmel calling her for the first time by her name cut the cake and perhaps these ladies will do us the honour of tasting it 
she did not recognize him in this persistent ceremoniousness every trace of his usual lax behavior was gone his ease and familiarity of speech and he was as stiff and correct and grave as if he were laying a foundation stone or opening a museum they were the manners though she did not know it which all germans are trained to produce on public occasions oh thank you oh you're really very kind oh thank you very much i'm sure there was a murmur of awkward and reluctant thanks the seven ladies were not at all certain that their cordiality ought to stretch as far as cake they had been moved by an impulse that did honour to their womanliness to offer congratulations but they did not for all that forget the dreadful things the couple had constantly been heard talking about and the many clear proofs it had provided that it was what dense tours were accustomed to describe as no class and though they all liked cake and were getting steadily hungrier as the dent week drew to its close they were doubtful as to the social wisdom of eating it it would be very unpleasant if these people encouraged were later on to presume if they were to try to use the eaten cake as a weapon for forcing their way into english society if in a word when the tour got back to england they were to want to call so they took the cake reluctantly that ingeborg in a sort of dream cut and offered them and with even more reluctance they sipped the wine in which the german gentleman requested them to drink the newly betrothed couple's health but said ingeborg trying to rouse herself even at this eleventh hour true there are not enough glasses i will ring for more was the way herr dremmel finished her sentence for her the immense official promptness of him she felt numbed and when the glasses were brought there was another ceremony a clinking of herr dremmel's glass with each glass in turn his heels together as in the days of his soldiering his body stiff and his face a miracle of solemnity and before drinking he made a speech the asti held high in front of him in which he thanked the ladies for their good wishes on behalf of his betrothed miss ingeborg boulevant whose virtues he dwelt upon singly and at length in resounding periods before proceeding to assure those present of his firm resolve to prove by the devotion of the rest of his life the extremity of his gratitude for the striking proof she had given before them all of her confidence in him and every sentence seemed to set another and heavier seal on her as a creature undoubtedly bound to marry him Dimly she began to realize something of the steely grip of a German engagement. She wondered whether there were any more room left on her forehead for further seals. She felt that it must be covered with great red things scrawled over with the inscription Dremmels. Well, she was, after all, not a parcel to be picked up and carried away by the first person who found her lying about, and the minute she was alone with him she would, she must, tell him that what she had really come down for, though appearances were certainly by this time rather against her, was to refuse him. She would be as gentle as possible, but she would be plain and firm. The minute these women left them alone, she would tell him. With a start, she saw that the women were leaving them alone, and that the minute had come. She wanted them not to go. She wanted to keep them there at any cost. She even made a step after them as the last one, nodding to the end, went out and shut the door. But Herr Dremmel 
still had hold of her hand. When the door had finally shut, she turned to him quickly. Her head was thrown back. Her eyes were full of a screwed-up courage. But you know, she began, determined to clear things up, however much it might hurt them both. And again he promptly finished her sentence for her, this time by enfolding her in his arms and kissing her with a largeness and abundance which no bishop, her mind flashed as her body stood stiff with surprise and horror, could possibly approve. She felt engulfed. She felt she must be disappearing altogether. He seemed infinitely capacious and soft. Oh, but I can't. I won't. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. It's a mistake. She tried to get out of his grasps. My little wife was all the notice Herr Dremmel took of that. End of section two.